If you remain standing and turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. I mean, looking at verses, uh, verses 13 through 35 this morning. Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. Be reading from the English Standard Version. That very day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus Himself drew near and went with them, and their eyes were kept from recognizing Him. And He said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a, mighty pro- a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and the rulers delivered him up to be contemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened us? To us the scriptures. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has indeed risen, and he has appeared to Simon. And they told what had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. The grass withers, and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. You may be seated. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts this morning would be pleasing and honoring in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name alone that we pray. Amen. You know, I joked with the the Sunday school classes this morning that with everything going on, I prepared a 45-minute sermon for us. (laughs) Uh, That was a joke. Um, But... Uh, We do have a couple of important points to draw out of God's Word for us this morning. That's going to lead us into our other sacrament, which is the Lord's Supper. And Luke does that beautifully for us in the retelling of this story of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Uh, We have two points this morning. 
and that is the fact that the gospel is the, whole, is the good news for the whole person so that not only can we know about Christ, but we can also know him experientially, know him personally. And we see that in our passage this morning. But first things first, um, you know, it was a very proud day for me as a parent seeing my oldest son profess his faith in Christ. Um, that is a joy that I wish on every parent, that they are able to see their children come to know the Lord. Um, but at this point in my life, uh, I realized that the most that I ever knew about parenting actually happened about eight years ago. That was when Stephanie was still pregnant with Elliot. And at that point, I thought, um, I thought this parenting thing wasn't going to be that hard. Um, I, I think I knew what, uh, what to expect. But now, eight years and four kids later, uh, what I've realized is how much I did not know about parenting. And the reason that uh, I've learned that is because I've been a parent now for eight years. And I, I've struggled through that of understanding what it means to raise our children uh, I've been through the, the pain and the trials of the late nights, of the dirty diapers, the potty training, the tantrums, uh, the teaching of kids how to share, uh, the struggles of parenthood. Uh, but I also know the joys of their first words, their first steps, uh, the snuggles while you're reading a book, um, the hugs, the kisses, the laughter, the joy. Uh, now this morning, seeing a child profess faith, um, I've experienced what it means to be a parent. I've been in the thick of it. I know it intimately now, and I'm continuing in my knowledge of it and trying to grow in what it means to be a parent. Uh, we see this in the lives of the disciples here as well on the road to Emmaus. Uh, just to get a little context where we are. So this is Sunday night. Uh, this is Easter evening. These men are walking on the road to Emmaus. The last couple of days have been crazy for them. Um, the person that they had hoped would be the Redeemer of, of Israel, as we read in Luke, ended up being crucified. Three days later, they hear this news from the women that there were angels at his tomb, he wasn't there, and that he could possibly be alive. In a sense, their world has been completely rocked over the last three days. They didn't know what to think. They were confused. They were trying to wrap their minds around what had just happened. Let me tell you, over the last three days, I know exactly what these guys are feeling like. Because I had an experience just recently where I was left thinking, what in the world is going on? And it left me with lots of questions. Uh, as most of you know, this past week, uh, we had both vehicles in our driveway, uh, stolen out of our driveway. Um, yes, uh, I had left the keys in the vehicle, and yes, the keys had, uh, it had keys to both of them on it. So, um, you know, I'm feeling a little guilt and shame over that. But, on the other hand, who goes into a car and steals it and, you know, with the keys in there? So, um, but when I walked out Thursday morning, getting ready to go to men's Bible study at 5.30 in the morning, um, I opened up the door, and where I expected two vehicles to sit, there was absolutely nothing. And I cannot describe that feeling to you. Um, I thought maybe April Fools had come a day early. Um, I thought maybe we had parked them down the street. I was just trying to wrap my mind around what, what had just happened. Um, did we do something with them? And when it finally sunk in, 
um, that Thursday was just spent in a fog, um, trying to deal with the insurance company. Uh, we had a police uh, officer come over and dealing with a police report. Uh, we drove around a little bit, see if we could see uh, our vehicles. Um, I understand what the disciples were going through at that point of just not knowing what was happening. Um, but in the midst of that, Jesus shows up in a mighty and a powerful way so that the disciples, in the midst of their fog, can know about him and can know him. So, knowing about him. Let's talk about that first. Uh, this is unusual for me this morning. I'm going off script. I had a longer sermon prepared, but we're going to pare it down a little bit because there's two points that are very important for us. Jesus explains to his disciples about himself. And so as they're walking on the road to Emmaus, uh, they begin to describe to this man who apparently doesn't know anything that's happened over these last couple of days, but instead we know the truth. He knows the events so intimately because he experienced them. And what he does is that he opens up scriptures concerning himself. So what he does with his disciples is he starts back with Moses, back in the Old Testament, and he explains to him how throughout all of Scripture, it's pointing to him. So they have an understanding about who Jesus is. This is the reason why we gave our communicants Bibles this morning, is so that they can know about Jesus. And God has given us his word so that we know about him. And that is a precious gift that we have. But not only do we know about him, but we also can know him personally, experientially. So as they get to the house, Jesus acts as if he's going further, and the disciples encourage him to stay. And he engages in a meal with them, and at the moment where Jesus breaks the bread, what happens? They realize that it's Jesus. Their eyes are opened. And not only at this point do they know about him, they have an experience of him. They know that it's Jesus. And by the breaking of the bread, it's a relationship that they have with him. So they have this experience concerning Jesus. So what we have in the gospel, we have the gospel that is something that is for the, the whole person. That it's not just engaging our mind, but it also engages our heart. Because our relationship with Christ isn't just a head knowledge to know about him and study him like a, like a person in history, but it also engages our hearts where we give our lives to him, where the Holy Spirit comes in and takes residence and we get to experience him. As you read in Luke 24 where Jesus breaks the bread, you have obvious visions here of the Lord's Supper. And that's what we're drawing to this morning. Um, I don't have to preach a long sermon because we have a sermon in the supper. What we have here is we have an experience of Jesus. What God has given us is a meal where we can actually take in symbols of the body and the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which was broken for us and which was shed for us. Not only can we know about Jesus, but we can also experience and this is the beauty of the gospel. So as we come to the table this morning, we come acknowledging the fact and what the communicants shared with us this morning, that we are sinners in the sight of God, justly deserving his displeasure. We come humbly to him. As Paul says in 1 
Corinthians 11, we need to examine ourselves. So as we come to the table, we're going to come confessing this morning. But as we come, we know that this table is for those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus. Some have declared that publicly for the first time this morning, and they get to receive these elements for the first time in their lives. And that's incredibly exciting. For the rest of us, those who have put their faith in Jesus, we invite you to come. This table is a celebration of what he has done, and I invite you to come and partake uh, in these elements. Those who have not yet entered into this relationship with Christ, I pray that you would simply let the elements pass you by. Let this be an opportunity where you would see the gospel, that God would break your heart, that you would realize your sin, and that you would confess it to Christ. Uh, parents with children, uh, young children who have not yet made a profession, uh, as we always say, use this as an opportunity to preach the gospel to your children in a very tangible way. Uh, children love images and symbols. Uh, this is a great way to teach the gospel to them. So if this is true of you, if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we invite you to come to celebrate this meal. And as we do, we're going to come confessing our sins and being assured of our pardon. So as we come, would you please bow your heads and pray with me? Let us pray together. Our most gracious God and our Father in heaven, we come to your table to celebrate the fact that your Son has his body broken and his blood shed for a complete forgiveness of all of our sins. We know that we come as sinners who are in need of this. So as we come, Lord, we come confessing to you. And I pray that during this time of confession that you would hear our prayers and that you would forgive. We come to you now, Lord. Please hear our prayers. Father, I pray that you would cleanse us with hyssop so that we would be clean. Cleanse us so that we would be whiter than snow. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to sing our hymn of preparation. Uh, but before that, I, want, I would like you to please stand as we receive our assurance of pardon. This is from Psalm 103. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He is slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will He harbor His anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Amen.